everybody. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, James Adams alongside Skeeter Robinson. This is the week four Fantistics NFL podcast. Doing it with Skeeter this week as opposed to doing it with Dan Claskins, the Insider Football podcast. And Skeeter, thank you for joining us, first of all, and taking uh, taking the spot in for Dan. And thank you for, uh, well, helping this thing keep going. How are you doing? You ready to talk some week four? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I got to get my football mode because usually when I'm doing this with you, we're talking some golf and, you know, we'll have to see how many, if we can avoid the Charlie Hoffman. Oh, wait, we just mentioned it. Never mind. So, um, yeah, let's talk some football. All right. Well, the first thing we usually do when it's Dan and I is we take a look back at week three, our final takes from week three. Um, I mean, my biggest takeaway, and there's certainly a whole lot of them. My biggest takeaway is, of course, going to be the Bengals go on the road, get the win at Pittsburgh. I was fortunate enough to be at that game. But let's face it, I, I'll be quite honest. I didn't think they were going to win that game. So I really have to start right there. A, of course I'm a Bengals fan. But B, there may be one upset, maybe two upsets that are uh, worth more note than that one. But that's the biggest one for me. Not necessarily even. I'm not going to sit here and say, here come the Bengals. I, I want to say that, but I know they still have their warts, their offensive line. Not great, but held up in uh, in good fashion. But the defense for the Bengals looked good, and I wonder how much that had to do with them being good, which they have been good for through three games. But the Steeler O-line, not good, and Big Ben, boy, oh boy, he looks like he's falling apart. Skeeter, my biggest takeaway, while I want it to be about how awesome the Bengals look, it really is about what can you trust from the Steelers' offense. Now, granted, the garbage time numbers ended up being there for Ben, targeting Harris and Claypool a ton, but I don't know, man. That's There's going to be a little bit of a, a conversation about trust when we t- look back at week three. There's one offense that I'm not sure if I can trust right now when they can't get it done at home, a place they normally were much better than on the road under Big Ben. I'm with you. Um, you know, Najee had, what, 19 targets? I think a lot of garbage time. But yes, with Deontay Johnson hurts, and who knows how long that's going to be for. I don't know if that's temporary. Maybe he'll be back this week. I think Claypool got hurt in the game. I mean, Ben just looks old, and yeah, I don't, I don't know outside of Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and Najee Harris if you want to own or play anybody, you know, each week for the Steelers. Like that, just until we see it from them, I don't, I'm not sure I can trust them. I mean, good, I mean, they had a good spot against the Raiders, lost there, kind of as a defensive touchdown, beat them, saved them in Buffalo, and then. Just didn't show up against your Bengals, so good for you. But, yeah, I'm with you. The Steelers, not a team I'm real excited about right now. Another team that I'm not sure there's anyone I can play right now is the Jets. They continue to look abysmal. I'm not sure. Maybe Corey Davis is still in play, but I'm not sure that there's anybody else you could even consider right now. I mean, I'm not so sure I could consider Michael Carter at this point. No, but I think Carter might be somebody if you can stash. Like Maybe they eventually get around, but, yeah, that team. They look brutal. Granted, you know, going to Denver against that defense doesn't help, but, man, they have – I don't know. Like, are they worse than – I mean, they're 0-17 potential, right? I hope not because I still have a live bet 16-1 to on the Jags to be the last winning team this oh, year. So okay. I hope not. I know I'm very excited about that bet. They got they got off the, uh, the season in a good way by losing on the road at Houston, and it's looked good ever since. But I hope not. But you know what? They lost uh, Becton, Mekti Becton. I'm, Mek- I'm, I'm going to yeah. mess up his first name. No, they lost right. him, their first-round pick from last year, a very strong offensive lineman. And while all the, the hype was, hey, they're giving Wilson a different opportunity than Darnold, 
I'm just not so sure that Wilson has a much better opportunity. Different coaching staff, but a rookie in Salah right there. And then you're also dealing with, uh, you know, a banged up line and weapons that, I mean, I guess are better than what Darnold had, but Davis is a, has left his first team for a reason. And, you know, Crowder's not the original there. So I don't know. We haven't seen more make that step yet. And certainly the running backs haven't either. Week 15, day after Christmas, fantasy playoff, Jacksonville at the Jets. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be awesome if they were still winless? Both teams? Yeah, that'd be so much fun. Absolutely. I'd be the like lone idiot somewhere at a bar cheering for the the Jets. Hey, there might be some, there might be some fantasy championships or semifinals that week or was it week 16? I forget what I, I my numbers are off now with the whole you know 7, 18 week schedule, but yeah, there might be some fantasy championships in that game. So, you know, maybe Michael Carter at that point might actually be worth a decent play, a streaming option, depending on what the Jets do in that game. I think we'd be remiss if we were talking week three takeaways and we didn't talk about the fact that the Chiefs are almost one of those winless teams had they not really grabbed victory from the jaws of defeat against Cleveland in week one, right? Because the Chiefs, who seemingly had the win in week two before a strong comeback from Baltimore, now lost again at home to the Chargers. Skeeter, I'm not worried about starting Mahomes, not even Edward Solaire after the nice uh, play he had. Of course, Hill and Kelsey must start, but my goodness, this is not at all the expectation I had here. No, but I. why do I have a feeling they're going to get real healthy this week against Philadelphia? I mean, you want to talk about disappointing teams as well. The Eagles look so good week one. What has happened since then? Week two, week three. I mean, they kind of laid an egg against Dallas last night, and all the Jalen Hurts excitement is kind of starting to fade a little bit. Like, I'll say Devonta Smith, maybe Miles Sanders. Do you trust anybody? I mean, Goddard was fine, but he's splitting snaps with Ertz again. And last night, and you know, Monday night was an Ertz game. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Chiefs and Eagles, two kind of disappointing teams where they're at at one and two that we probably didn't see coming after week one. I'm glad you brought up the Eagles as we're talking about things from week three that are interesting. The trust factor is absolutely gone for me for anybody besides Jalen Hurts. Now, Smith and, and Rager, let's face it, he had some, some catches too, looked okay. And I think you're probably willing to start them, but you can't really trust them when you talked about the tight ends in the play as well. But Miles Sanders, there's absolutely 0% chance I can trust him. Now, I'll be shocked if Sirianni doesn't go, okay, not only did I I take heat for only giving him two carries in this game. It's time to try and do something different besides make Hurts do everything. I mean, let's be honest. You drafted him last year when he wasn't even your starting quarterback. Not that that means he can't be the starting quarterback moving forward, anything like that. But to put all the pressure on him, you've got this stud, potentially stud athlete in Miles Sanders. you got to give him the ball. But Skeeter, there's no way in heck I can trust him going into week four. No, I mean – it's going to be a high-scoring game, so maybe you would think maybe Hurts gets some advantage here. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not thinking he's an absolute must-play anymore. Skeeter, speaking of, it, I say, speaking of must-play, I mean, what happened to Tyson Williams for Baltimore? Like, he only played 50% of the snaps, and I only think he had, like, a handful of carries. Like, I was big on him in DFS. I took questions in the Sunday show in Peoria that I do. And I was all over Tyson Williams against Detroit. Wonderful matchup, and he did absolutely nothing. And I'm very glad you bring up that game, too, because it took an NFL record-setting field goal for the Baltimore Ravens to not fall to 1-2 and and have the Detroit Lions get their first win, which, of course, going back to my Jacksonville bet, I'm hoping for. But 
that is an absolute shocker of a game. Now, here's the deal. Going into the game, I didn't particularly like Tyson Williams. Why? Because I thought they would dominate the game, and I thought Lat Murray would go crazy, kind of like Aaron Jones did the week before. But I thought Williams would get some run. So I'm surprised. I'm, I wasn't surprised at the outcome until I saw how the game went. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's insane how that outcome was because – I thought it wouldn't be a big Williams game, but I thought it would be because Baltimore would dominate this thing, not pull out, a, not eke out a win. Right, and then there were some questions about Lamar's health or illness. Maybe I think he tweaked something on a flip into the end zone. So I was like, oh, this might, this just feels like an absolute smash spot for Tyson Williams kind of game that you probably don't need to rely on Lamar a bunch. And well, they did, and Tyson did absolutely nothing. I know it's your team, but it's also fantasy relevant. So I got to ask you about the Bears, my man. With with what's going on under center there, is there anyone you can trust? What I saw in week two when our two teams did battle, the Bengals and the Bears, I saw Fields look okay. I don't know that you could say anything other than it looked disgusting when he actually got the start against Cleveland. Could you possibly start Allen Robinson or really any Cle- – uh, excuse me, Chicago – uh, star, uh, 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 skill player, my goodness, and I don't even like calling them skill players because offensive linemen are skills too. Uh, ah. Fantasy stat getters with Fields under center. Well, now don't worry, Matt Nagy's already coming out saying he hasn't made the decision who will start this week between Dalton Fields and Nick Foles. So I mean, yeah, with two quarterbacks, they looked at two quarterbacks too, right? I know Peyton Ramsey, who's from Cincinnati, so I'd love to see him get a look somewhere. Uh, is one of those guys like what does that tell you? And I know they were looking at him beforehand, right? It tells me that Matt Nagy should have been fired last year and he should not be coaching <laughs> the team this year because they didn't even move the pocket for Justin Fields. He, they treated him as a as a pocket passer and decided, you know, let's not only treat, you know, take away his strength of moving on the run, but let's have him sit in the pocket passer and oh, we're not going to double Miles Garrett who gets four and a half sacks. Like it was in, it was just I don't know what Nagy was thinking, but yeah, right now outside of David Montgomery and Allen Robinson, I don't think I want to play any Bears. Skeeter, anything else we want to talk about when we look back at week three before we flip it to week four? Yeah, um, I got to, even though they won, the, the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, <laughs> Cal Ridley, Patterson, eight, eight for 61, like, okay, I mean, he at least got the receptions, 11 targets, that was good, but he's not doing anything with them. Kyle Pitts, two receptions on three targets for 35 yards, and oh, hey, Corderell Patterson, six targets for 82 yards, and he also had seven rushes for 20 yards, so... I mean, I thought this was going to be a high-scoring game. A bunch of the Giants receivers got hurt, but I thought Atlanta would be much more efficient. And, boy, it just feels like last year all over again with Atlanta. High expectations and just a disappointing offense. Bad football teams. Those are both bad football teams. I think that's the, my real big takeaway from all of that. Yes, agreed. It just, ugh. Skeeter, are we ready to take – to the next step, let's talk a little bit in, a little bit of the injuries from week three. Oh, my favorite thing, because this, this means I get to write extra stuff on Friday nights, but let's do it. <laughs> All right, well, I'm not sure where we want to start. There were a slew of them. I suppose we could start right there with uh, Sterling Shepard. Boy, he was playing good, and now, uh, you know, he's had such a history of injury. We're obviously going to wait and see if he's good to go, but there's a player who's been injured really oft injured throughout his career. I don't know that, you know, we'll get to who we may or may look to pick up, but 
I don't know if there's a, an ability to trust him now because I was in love with Shepard after week two, mm-hmm. put him in all my mm-hmm. week three lineups. Didn't go so good. Yeah, and then Darius Sling goes down to Galladay still trying to battle back from injury. So I think it's what Kadarius Tony, who yep. I'm sure we're gonna mention later on. And uh there was somebody else who I think I can't think of who who it was, but yeah, that's just not a situation I really want to involve in. Like Daniel Jones will still give you some rushing yards, like probably a better QB two in two QB leagues, but that's not a real exciting offense. Maybe outside of Saquon Barkley, who's maybe starting to show a little bit of form again. Quarterback-wise, I don't know if there's anybody whose injury note that we're, we're worried about. Big Ben looked injured, was yeah. injured going into the game. Do you, we talked about it a little bit. Do you think that could have been injury, or do you think that's age? Because I, I go back to there are a couple guys that are older than him, at least one guy for sure, Tom Brady, older than him playing the league. But the guys he got drafted with have both retired that are of note in Phil Rivers and Eli Manning. Yeah, I thought I saw some reports Sunday morning, and I don't know how verifiable they were, that Ben Roth, that there's a lot of local concern that Roethlisberger is just, he's kind of hit the wall. It looked like it. It looked like it. Yes. That'll be interesting to see if it was, because I was, you know, you rack up 300 yards, you don't know if he's injured, but hard to say. What about the Bucks? now? They had Gia Bernard. He was massive in that game. Nine catches, I think, and we've seen nothing from either running back that I thought would lead this team. One of them would anyway, Fournette, Ronald Jones. Haven't seen enough to really feel great about either one of them, but now uh, Gio Bernard, I think an MCL strain, the uh, the injury there, I, I only used him in best ball, so I'm not sure right. how I feel about that injury, but what's your takeaway there? Because Jones or Fournette are not going to be on waiver wires, really. Probably not. They're certainly not going to qualify for the number we set the tone at. But does that do anything for you for those guys moving forward? No, because it just feel it feels like the old New England Patriots backfields. Uh, just what a mess trying to figure out each week is this Jones Fournette or you know Bernard popping up, and we'll see what Bernard. You know he is questionable going to week four, but um, yeah, that's just you know that's just a part of the you know run game. I just don't want to be part of. And you know what? At this point, I think Brady Price wants to throw all around anyway, so I'm not trying to take Keyshawn Vaughn or deep flyers like that until I see more consistent use out of the run game for the Bucks. What about – oh, and I just, just lost it. What about James White? Because you mentioned the Patriots. And, well, he got carted out of the game. The Patriots are now on the street looking for running backs. Does that do anything for you? I mean, obviously Harris can catch the ball a little bit. He's been okay, Damian Harris. Uh, what does the James White injury do for you, if anything? I mean, I, maybe this makes Brandon Bolden somebody to keep an eye on because I think he was the one who, yeah, he led the team in snaps. Or um, J.J. Taylor might step in that role, but, I mean, I'm not rushing out to get J.J. Taylor. Brandon Bolden, maybe I need to see a little bit more, but – this is not the week you want to do against Tampa Bay who you just can't run against them. So maybe wait and see what happens Sunday night. See if somebody else, if Bolden emerges for a second straight week or if JJ Taylor kind of takes that role. But I don't think, it, you know, those are names maybe you hold in your back of your mind for next week. Or if you want to get super sneaky, pick them up Sunday morning and just wait and see, kind of see what happens. But those are kind of be the two names that kind of might have a role, but it's the Patriots, and I still don't trust running backs there, so we'll wait and see. <laughs> Fair enough. Saquon Barkley uh, was taken out, limped, but came back in the game, so you got to believe no thing, nothing to be concerned about there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, 
Not only am I interested in the rib injury was ruled out with just three catches for 25 yards, this guy's become the third fiddle when he was seemingly like a breakout. He was a top, I think he's a first-round fantasy pick. Not only injured here, but it just seems like he's fallen completely out of favor, even though him and Big Ben have the the longest rapport of the the trio of receivers there in Pittsburgh. Right, it just kind of feels like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are the more talented two, and I was surprised Smith-Schuster actually came back to Pittsburgh. I think he was looking for a big deal in the offseason, couldn't find one, and he came back to Pittsburgh for one year. But I would be shocked if he's there next year. And if Pittsburgh starts going down, I would, you know, I would assume that maybe they're going to just kind of start phasing him out, out a little bit just to get more Johnson and Claypool in there. We mentioned Cordero Patterson. He was one of the guys we were we were touting last week, Dan and I were as guys to pick up. And I'm going to pat myself on the back. You know I like to go Barry Horowitz style yes. here, Skeeter. I, I have Cordero Patterson on our best ball uh, dynasty league that we drafted in like July. So I've already got some shares of Cordero with the Mike Davis injury. And he also returned to the game. Do you do you think that Cordero Patterson can continue what he did? Because let's face it, he's a receiver turned running back. He clearly knows how to catch the ball and Atlanta won this game. But I think they're going to continue to lose. So I like Patterson, but I already liked him coming in. What are your take with, with with the Davis injury? Or do you think the Davis injury even mattered in Patterson's performance? I don't think it mattered. I mean, he's going to get snaps at running back. He's their basic their backup. Right now, I mean, it's Cali Ridley, Kyle Pitts. Russell Gage missed last week. We'll see what his stats for week four is, but... Also, Zacchaeus, who I think caught a touchdown on Sunday, they don't have anybody else in the way. Patterson's performing. Why not just keep using him? And especially if he's going to be, if he's going to play some wide receiver and get some running back carries, and he's running back eligible. That's huge. So I, I still can't believe what I'm seeing. Maybe he's like the Mike Davis of last year is coming out of nowhere. But hey, just keep playing him as long as they're going to use him. Cordero Patterson came along just a little bit too early with these guys like Antonio yes. Gibson. And and I know he's struggling right now and he's not showing everything we had hoped as fantasy uh, managers, but Cordero Patterson's about 10 years too late. And hey, it happens. So, I mean, we, we, we can go throughout the course of history and in, in sports and see that. But man, doesn't it feel like he's just about 10 years too late from being like fulfilling that that hype he had coming, I think, out of Tennessee being drafted to uh, Minnesota? Yeah. Or just just wait until he goes down to the Saints and Sean Payton uses him and uh, Taysom Hill together. <laughs> That'd be a nice, like, you just run them in a split and you don't even have one necessarily right behind center. Like, maybe we go wildcat left, maybe we go right. Who knows? Yeah. Can I mention one other injury situation to kind of keep an eye on is Tennessee. Julio, I think, left the game. I don't think he played the fourth quarter all against the Colts. A.J. Brown is still battling yes. the hamstring. Like, Westbrook Keen was the guy, I think, who actually... I know he caught a touchdown. I think he might have been the most productive Tennessee receiver against the Colts. Like that's a situation I think you really want to keep an eye on because if Julio and Brown are going to battle injuries, I think there is a role for you know a third receiver. And I mean, I know Chester Rogers is there, but Westbrook Akeen had the most snaps a week ago. He played fifty three of or he played fifty three snaps, seventy eight percent of the snaps. Like. I don't know. Julio was only at 50%. AJ Brown only played eight snaps. Like there's some, I mean, there's names there. If you're desperate waiver wire and we'll maybe get to the him in a little bit, but that Tennessee situation is starting to get a little iffy with their top two receivers battling injuries. Yeah, no doubt about that. I was going to ask you if I missed any because I was jumping all over the board and I did miss uh, AJ Brown and the Tennessee situation. Uh, any others that I missed, Skeeter? Because you get because as soon as we went from like Gio Bernard to the to James White, I completely skipped around the list. And well, 
you know. Uh, Tyler Lockett went out in that Seattle game, but I think he might have came back in. So just keep keep an eye on that one. Um, actually, no, they don't even have him listed on our injury report. So, okay, he must be okay. I don't remember of any others right now. Obviously, keep an eye on the 49ers running back situation and see what happens there. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bears quarterback situation isn't really worth mentioning as long as uh, Nagy's coaching. So we'll avoid yeah. that. Fair enough. Oh, that is one thing. I, I, this is just a James and Skeeter thing. I don't know how f- football relevant this is. Perhaps it is for dynasty owners, but I, you know, I look back at what happened with Ryan Tannehill. He got away from Adam Gase, and all of a sudden now he's a fantasy commodity. Yeah. In fact, I consider him a QB one. I heard kind of in jest someone saying that maybe Mitchell Trubisky is an all-time great quarterback because of how successful he was under the Nagy system compared to what we've seen since. Would you dare think about maybe trying to reach out and find some cheap shares of Trubisky and Dynasty? I can't imagine he's going to be sitting behind Josh Allen very long. And I think this was a conversation we had off air post uh, golf podcast last night about maybe a Steelers replacement being a retread like Mitch Trubisky or Marcus Mariota might be answers there. Is there anything as a guy very close to the Bears to looking at Mitch Trubisky and saying, hey, maybe it was the coach's fault and he has a future still? Absolutely. I mean, we saw with Nagy on Sunday not moving fields out of the pocket. Like Trubisky's success rookie year was him being mobile, and after, yep. and after that first year, he wasn't. I actually think when when Buffalo signed him, I was like, "This is a great move. I think he's a good quality backup and getting some decent coaching." Like if Josh Allen gets hurt, I'm not saying that you know it's no drop off to Trubisky. It's obviously a drop off, but. I think Buffalo would be okay. Like, I think they could survive two or three games with Trubisky, and Trubisky might prove, hey, I'm still decent here. Like, he's got to be better than, I mean, granted, all the rookie quarterbacks are struggling right now, but I don't think he's worth a flyer, or at least a high-end backup. Yeah, in Dynasty, we're saying certainly. Not in redraft, but in Dynasty. And and I will say this to you, too. Um, He is a perfect fit to Josh Allen as a backup, kind of like RG3 was to – to uh, Lamar uh, Jackson, yeah. right? Absolutely. Very, very. Con- I mean, you, you feel like you can run the same system. So, at any rate, if you're into handcuffing Josh Allen and Superflex, maybe there's a, a, a further thought. But something to think of in dynasty leagues. Um, all right, with that, Skeeter, I think we've hit the injuries of note. It's time to take a look at the waiver wire and who we might be thinking about picking up in here in week one. And I guess we'll start at quarterback again. It's all about what your league's about. Are you in? a, a uh, one quarterback, a two quarterback, a super flex. And it it's all about what you're rostering. Are you looking at anybody particular off of the waiver wire after week three? Is the, is the Steelers situation like if you were in a super flex league, would you think about going after Haskins or Rudolph? No. I mean, when I look at the percent roster on, you know, Yahoo, I, I, I see Sam Darnold sitting there like, only only rostered in 22% of leagues. And, you know, if you needed somebody this week, he gets Dallas. Like, I don't know. I mean, granted, no Christian McCaffrey might hurt things, but I, I would think he would probably be my over, first overall pick. Maybe Jared Goff. I mean, look, Detroit's just going to throw a bunch. I realize Goff's going to probably throw some interceptions, and he's not a real sexy type of name. But I think in a pinch, I would rather have those guys than, you know, trying – those would be like the top two names I'd be looking at. For this week, I would like Darnold. I, th- I agree with you. He gets Dallas. I mean, he 
what do you have, two rushing touchdowns? And by the way, did we totally gloss over the lead of the Christian McCaffrey? Because we were looking, we're, that's so that's been so far away. It's almost been five days now. But yeah, McCaffrey out, not going on IR, but is out. And it's interesting. You know, I thought maybe after the Thursday night game, the news was that he wouldn't go on IR. And I thought, well, you know, they don't have to make that choice today. They can wait until the, the week's over. But they're going to hold out hope. So what does that tell you about McCaffrey? Because we did kind of just completely pass over the biggest player, the number one overall draft pick being injured this week. Yeah, it probably was that Thursday night game where I was thinking, oh, we'll probably hit him in the uh, in the waiver wire running back pickups with Chubba Hubbard. But, yeah, I mean, you know, coming off the injury last year, here he is again. Maybe the, the long extended break, I don't think he's going to make it week four, but I'm not positive. So, Oh, McCaffrey won't play this week. I'd be no, shocked okay. if he played this week. Okay, I, ha- I did not see a... I haven't heard that officially, but there was chatter oh, about him yeah. missing multiple okay. weeks. Out, so out for week four, expected to return week five. So. Okay. So, all right, I mean, we did. Yeah, we we should we we should talk about McCaffrey before we talk about Sam Darnold being a pickup. But gotcha. all right, back back to the uh, back to the action here. But yeah, you know, I still think he's yeah. Obviously, once he's healthy or at least he's active, you're going to play him. But in the meantime, looks like you're going to have to find somebody for a week. I'd still even find somebody for week five just in case because, you know, how many times do we see these NFL injuries linger for a week or two more than expected? Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Sammy D. What about Teddy Bridgewater? They get Baltimore, but let's be honest. Yeah. Derek Carr chewed him up. I understand Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He had a fine game against him. Uh, Detroit's Detroit. They still almost beat him. So Baltimore's defense, let us it's not what it was. They lost Marcus Peters, and that was a huge loss. Teddy Bridgewater is somebody I would consider if I was in desperation, but I would prefer Sam Darnold, I do believe. Yeah, I don't mind Bridgewater. Um, one other injury, KJ Hamler, I believe, is out for the year with an yeah. ACL. So I mean, they already lost Jerry Judy, so now it's like Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and mm-hmm. uh, I forget who the third receiver there is. But, yeah, that's I mean that's the only reason I wouldn't want to go Bridgewater, and they kind of seem like they just, their defense is good enough that they probably can run enough that I don't know if he's going to get into absolute uh, – 34 31 type of games or anything like that so bridgewater if you're desperate yes but i think i'd prefer darnold over him right now do you think the uh, broncos are calling the lions say hey we're just kidding we want trinity benson back (laughs) that was like the fifth receiver they had on their team and they said he's too good to cut but we just can't seem to find a way to get him in our in our lineup and now all of a sudden maybe trinity benson has a home well no, he won't because the Lions won't give him back up. But they may be kicking themselves just a little bit for that one. Your guy, Trinity Benson. Well, the only reason I picked him up is because I just figured somebody has to catch balls for the Lions. That's why I have him in that one very deep uh, dynasty league we were talking about earlier. But I think for QB, we've hit it. You ready to talk a little running back? Yep. And I think the lead is Chuba Hubbard, right? I mean, yes. if you if you have McCaffrey, you should have already had Hubbard on your roster. And you should certainly... Be ready to spend a high percentage of your fab on him because, as you said, I mean, if you're the McCaffrey owner, you probably need Hubbard more than anyone else. And on top of it all, I mean, we saw what happened last year. Mike Davis wasn't special, but he was great for fantasy players. So I think Hubbard has to be a number one for anybody that that, that has McCaffrey, right? Yes. Unless you have pretty good running back depth because if McCaffrey's going to be back week five, do you really want to blow all your fab budgets on a one week start? Which is a fair point. Um, like maybe, maybe you spend half or, you know, 50 to 60% just to, you know, cause there is handcuff insurance there, but I don't know if I want to blow all my budget. Now, granted, if you're 
running backs were Christian McCaffrey and you know you had J.K. Dobbins who was hurt and you and Tyson Williams and Eli Mitchell and Raheem Mostert. Like if you're just desperate, then yeah, I think you have to kind of go all in just to kind of survive and, and wait and see what happens. But I'll say that I you can spend a decent amount, but I wouldn't go crazy just because it feels like it's a one week pickup. I mean, you could have started McCaffrey taking a receiver at the two spot. Uh, maybe gone tight end receiver and then gone like Josh Jacobs, Miles or uh, Miles yeah. Sanders. Yeah. You can't start any of those guys this week. I mean, I'm not so sure I could start Jacobs either if he comes back. And by the way, if he doesn't, Peyton Barber is that somebody you're interested in after a pretty big week? I mean, he's on my list again. If I'm desperate at running back, yes, but I still think I still think the Raiders might be a little smoke and mirrors. Like they're good, but I'm not sure that I do too. This good. And I still expect it at some point to start trailing because haven't we seen the Raiders get off to some hot starts before and then kind of fade away come November? Like, to me, I'd rather have Kenyon Drake who would have more role in the passing game. That's who I'd rather have. And I don't know if he's, I mean, he's not 30% or lower, but I'm sure he might still be floating on a few waiver wires. Would you believe the 3-0 and Raiders are still the fourth favorite in that division? They were like 6.5-1 to one when I looked Monday. To win that division at 3-0 and with the Chiefs 1-2. and I mean, six and a half to one. I might not be the biggest believer in the Raiders, but I think that's decent value. But here, I'm going to talk you off of it right away because as soon as I looked at it, I thought, well, they haven't played the Chiefs yet. The Chiefs sweep them. They're both three and three, throw away the other games. Chiefs have the uh, tiebreaker, and I no longer care about the Raiders. So as soon as I looked at that number and thought about it, because the Chiefs at one and two are still the favorite, at least where I looked at, three to one to win the uh, AFC with the Bills at four to one. So I I thought it was interesting, though. Like in a six team division, they're three or a four team division, they're six and a half to one with a three and oh start, but they also haven't beaten a a divisional opponent yet. So they have no real leg up on anyone. But I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. Interesting as a degenerate who likes to look at those things. I mean, if they go beat the Chargers on Monday nights, then all of a sudden I think you guys start thinking thinking them as potential. Like they got, they at least would have a chance realistically. What so. about Marlon Mack? He and the Colts have both agreed to seek a trade. I gotta believe that Marlon Mack would look good in a Ravens uniform. That's my speculation. I've heard nothing that suggests that would happen. Perhaps the 49ers could yeah. use Marlon Mack as well. Is Marlon Mack on your radar at all this week while he still belongs to the to the Indianapolis Colts? I hadn't thought about it, but now that you say that, and I did see something about the 49ers might be interested. Yes. I mean, I think this may maybe more in standard leagues, because I think he'd be more of a touchdown guy. I don't think he's much of a receiver, but if you have the extra bench spot or you're a deeper league, why not? I mean, because if he gets, I mean, if he gets straight to San Francisco, he might have a legitimate role there. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think, if there's anywhere else where he would potentially. I mean, who's New Orleans backup? Oh, um, Tony Jones. Johnson or Jones? Yeah. Like, yeah, New England. New England's got a bunch of running back injuries. I'm not sure Marlon Mack fits that mold, but. Yeah, I don't think that's a horrible idea. And, you know, many people aren't honest, so you might even be able to bid one buck or two bucks or zero bid and get them because nobody's thinking about that. Now, I would say this, too. It's fair to say of all those guys we mentioned, other than Hubbard or Hubbard, okay, <laughs> other than Hubbard, I don't know why I said his name that way because I get his first name wrong. Are you spending much of your fab on any of these guys so far? I mean, Hubbard, yes. Outside of that, no. Um, okay. There was. There was one name I wanted to bring up, and I realize you know we you guys use thirty percent as a as a rule, but look it's at fungible. Yahoo. 
Zach Moss is still available in 46% of leagues. And wow. He's had a pretty good two weeks after missing week one. Like, if he's if you're in one of those leagues that he's still on the waiver wire, I think I'd spend a little bit of money on him because he has a definite role in Buffalo. And he's been productive the two games he's played so far. And Buffalo's starting to roll a little bit. They might start... I mean, they still get to play the all the uh, all the teams in the AFC East, like still with two of the Jets, two of the Dolphins. That should be a lot of running. So if he's still floating around in shallow leagues, I think he might be worth somebody to pick up. Yeah, and it's fair to say, and I'm totally with you too. Uh, it's fair to point out that uh, you know we're talking thirty percent is kind of the number we've spe- we've set as far as availability. If guys are available in uh, in in or, or I'm sorry, are rostered in less than 30% or around that. Uh, if you go to insider football, you check out our rankings and you see that, you know, player X, Y, and Z are all above these guys. And we thought better of them before the season. Well, we certainly want you to roster them too. guys like that Moss. We're just talking about a little bit of a deeper look there. Yeah. I was just surprised when I saw that he was still available in so many leagues. Like I'm assuming they're casual. They might be in the eight or 10 person leagues, but if people are sleeping on them and you're in one of those leagues, go pick him up. He's going to have a role. Yeah, I'm with you totally. I'm with you totally. Any other running backs of note? Maybe Kenneth Gainwell, if you want to try to figure out who the Eagles running back is going to be. He's available in two-thirds of leagues, but outside of that, nobody else is really jumping off the radar for me. Yeah, and I'm with you. Gainwell's a guy that we uh, we have been looking at, too. So uh, let's, take a, let's take a dive at receiver, Skeeter. And we talked about some interesting... You know, things going on with the injuries in Tennessee, the injuries in Denver. So certainly players on those rosters are players to take a look at. Um, You start looking at the under 30%, around the 30%. uh, K.J. Osborne didn't quite fulfill the need of last week. So I think he's actually a good player to talk about. Not necessarily that you should go get him, but I know in some of the high-stakes leagues I'm in, people spent 15 to 20% of their fab on him, didn't return dividends last week, don't overblow your your budget on a player because they had a big week. You got to make sure that they fit your team and that there's somebody that you would think about rostering or I'm sorry, starting this week and and beyond uh, when we talk about these players. Because Osborne was a guy I saw go for over 200, and maybe that's a one case scenario, right? But over 200 in a thousand dollar fab league, and I thought, gosh, how much? I mean, when are you going to use them? Like, when are you going to look at that that team and go, okay, he's I'm going to start him even though he's the three behind Jefferson and Thielen unless – and I didn't look. Maybe that team was trying to handcuff because they had one of those players rostered. I don't know. Right. I mean, he he, he did play 59% of snaps, so, I mean, he's the clear number three. And as you said, if Thielen or Jefferson were to go down, he probably steps in as a viable number two because Minnesota has such a targeted distribution that it makes sense. But, yeah, I'd say $200 was probably feels a little too high, but – Again, as I'm looking here on Yahoo, he's available in over 70% of leagues. Like, deeper bench ones, deeper leagues, I think he's certainly worth a play. Um, One who kind of caught... Oh, actually, he's too high. Um, I'll mention him. We're good. good. Okay, Marcus Callaway. I mean, there's a number one receiver at Grand. I know the Saints aren't the most exciting, but he's only 37% rostered. He's a number one. I mean, now maybe the Saints get to play back in the Superdome. You know, maybe things will get a little better for Jamison company. I don't think he's a horrible ad, but I think the big ad this week is going to be Emmanuel Sanders, who is only, only rostered 27% of leagues. I actually played him in one of my 12 team leagues last week and was glorious, gloriously rewarded. 
with Buffalo starting to click, granted, I know that Cole Beasley's still there, Gabe Davis is going to still touch, like, it's going to be inconsistent, but Emmanuel Sanders should be on a healthy majority of rosters at this point. Manny Sanders was on my 2015 KFFSC state, uh, state championship team. Let me tell you something. I love that man. I agree with you. He should be on 100% of rosters. I've got him on some dynasty rosters still, trust yeah. me. So I'm with you. I think and, – and, like, there was conversation, too, about one of his big plays was on a scramble drill and how he just yeah. fits what Josh Allen does so yes. well. So I wholeheartedly agree with you. He's the number two on that team. And they're an offense that isn't always predictable outside of Diggs and Allen, but it's an offense that's got massive upside on a weekly oh, basis. Absolutely. What about Sammy Watkins? He got seven mm. targets again last week, caught four for 68. Without Dobbins in the mix, Bateman was on IR to start the year. I mean, there's only so many mouths to feed right now. You can say what you want about Sammy Watkins is his inconsistency, his inability to stay healthy, but he's got to be on people's radars now at 23%. I rostered him a couple weeks ago most places I had room for him. What's your thought there? Uh, maybe Michael Waddle has just uh, corrupted me because he calls him Goose Egg Watkins, so maybe that's <laughs> corrupted me on Sammy. I get, I get everything you're saying. I just It's such a low-volume pass team, like, I don't. I don't think I'd want to go there. I at the same perc- same percentage roster. I'd rather go Tim Patrick, who's probably the number two in Denver now with KJ Hamler out and Jerry Judy out. Like, I not that Teddy Bridgewater is going to throw a ton, but he's our number two. And you know, again, is Denver for real? Yeah, I think they're more real than the Raiders, but I think they're going to have to throw in some of these games, especially a couple of games coming against the Chiefs. I mean, mm-hmm. and I the Chargers. Yeah, I would rather have Tim Patrick than Sammy Watkins. And quite honestly, against the Raiders, it looks like, too. I think that division, I mean, it was a division I targeted to begin the year because I thought there'd be a lot of shootouts. I'm with you. Tim Patrick was a really good fill-in for Cortland Sutton last year, too, by the way. It's not like he's an unknown quantity in that offense. Right. So, yeah, I would rather have Tim Patrick there. Quintez Cephas, we passed by at 29%. He only had one target, but does he do anything for you in that in that Detroit offense? Can you trust any receiver in that offense? Um, well, I thought I could trust Hawkinson until he laid an egg against the Ravens, 32nd ranked uh, defense against tight ends. Thanks, Hawkinson. Detroit. But that um, ranking skewed because of the Darren Waller yes, effect in week one. You know what I mean? Like, that ranking does because I saw it in week two. I was like, the Ravens really aren't as bad against the tight end as that says. That's Darren Waller. No, it doesn't help that I have Hawkinson in every league, so that's why I'm maybe a little bitter <laughs> on that one, which I didn't plan on. I don't, don't know how that happened. Um, yeah, Quintus Stevens is fine, but again, I'm going to go a little bit higher. Who guy who I think is coming off IR in the next week or two or should still available in two thirds of leagues. He'll be the number two in Washington. And that's Curtis Samuel. Like Adam Humphreys has been okay, but McLaren clearly needs somebody else to take some pressure off him. And I think Ron Rivera wants to use Curtis Samuel. He's one that I don't know if he comes off IR this week or not, but he's worth a stash because when he comes back, he's going to have a significant role for the football team. Terrace Marshall, he's available yes. for 14% of leagues. I mean, I think you got to like him this week with Sam Darnold. I think he's going – he, he's already close. He might be surpassing Robbie Anderson because apparently Carolina does not like Robbie I Anderson so. anymore. Uh, Marshall and him are pretty close to snap counts, and I think they targeted Marshall more than Robbie Anderson. So I agree on that one. Brian Edwards yeah. uh, from the Raiders, he had a bad week too. After a good week one and another good week three, again, the Raiders are probably going to have to throw the ball a lot in their divisional matchup, so he's got to be an interesting one. 
I mean, three to four catches a week is more of a big play guy. I think he's a nice guy when you run into bye weeks and you need a flex or a wide receiver with injuries. I think he fits there. So maybe he's not somebody you have to go get right now. But I think he eventually does have a nice role for the bye weeks and as more injuries accumulate. Has Van Jefferson ruined Robert Woods? Is that what's going on? Because I'm about ready to start benching Robert Woods. I mean, has Darius Slayton? I mean, not Darius Slayton. Give a good. Cooper Deshaun Cup. Just ja- Deshaun Jackson ruined him. I mean, oh. he had his one big play, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Bob Woods. I liked him last week. Played him in DFS, and again was disappointed when it was all Cooper Cup. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Rams. Um, seems like it's just Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, and Bob Woods just kind of has to take a back seat. Who's ready for the biggest name? Maybe not the one you want, but he's got to be the biggest name on the wire. Josh Gordon, no longer suspended, going to the most high-profile offense in the league. He's going to the Chiefs. I don't know. I mean, here's the deal. I'm probably making zero claims on him, but I got to ask you your opinion because he's been an absolute game-breaker in the past. I'll throw 5% of my fab budget on him, maybe. Like, we've just seen so many opportunities in New England, Seattle. I mean, I hope. I mean, I think we're all rooting for him to figure this out at some point because it'd be a great story and just hope, just for his overall being, we hope he figures it out. But I'm not yeah. spending a whole lot, but I would, I would, I would, I would take a flyer on him. At, you know, I said 5%, maybe 3 to 5% of your fab if you saw a bunch of it left, just, just in this scenario that he finally figures it out and, He's now like the the essentially number three receiving option behind Kelsey and Tyreek in Kansas City, but I wouldn't go crazy on it. How deep of a league? Would you cut your wide receiver four for him? Would you have to be cutting a wide receiver five to pick him up? Uh, probably five. I mean, I can tell you my KFFSC league, um, I got like Tyrell Williams or on IR. I think I got somebody else. I'm thinking about it in that, in that type of league just because – Especially with a you know one of those upside leagues like that one, tons of upside. I think that's worth a chance to at least think about for a cheaper price. If somebody wants to pay a hundred bucks for him, he's yours. But if I can get him for twenty or thirty, maybe a little bit more, I might take a chance. You ready to turn it to tight end? Yes. Is there any tight ends you have interest in? I mean, Zach Ertz was he's getting about the same snap count as Dal- as Dallas Goddard, so he's not he's not a flashy pay play, but. I think he could be at least somebody to take a look at. Um, Dawson Knox has been playing a lot of snaps, and you know he's he's had PPR point totals of eight, nine, eight point one, nine point seven, and fourteen point nine. He's available ninety percent of leagues. I think he could do something. And then, I mean, we saw we saw um, Schultz, Dalton Schultz have a nice game Monday night. Grand That's Harper. my dude. Schultz, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he's not going to go six for eighty and two touchdowns every time, but he saw six targets week one, two against the Chargers, seven targets week three. He's available in ninety five percent, ninety six percent of leagues. I could take a flyer on him. And he outsnapped Jarwin in week two when he got fewer targets, for the record. So I, I've been on Schultz. I think Ertz is probably the number one still, given what we're we know he's capable of, but. Uh, I certainly think Dalton Schultz is, is my name that is off the radar a little bit while Ertz is a known guy. Yeah, and again, I still want to remind Dawson Knox, but that maybe he's more of a two-tight end type of league. 
I like Knox, and in my FFPC leagues, tight end premium, I've rostered him. I mean, heck, I'm rostering everybody that's a tight end in those leagues. But I'm with you. I think Knox is definitely I mean, he's in the right uh, offense again. It's not going to happen every week. But if Josh Allen draws a linebacker up when he starts to scramble around the goal line, who's going to benefit from that? Probably the big fella. Right, exactly. I mean, I mean, Manny Sanders, Gabe Davis, and Cole Beasley probably aren't going to be on the field for those, many of those situations. I mean, one of them will be, but that could change often. Knox is probably going to be on the field for most of the red zone stuff. Any defenses that we're streaming at this point? I mean, I'm not sure I really have any, to be quite frankly. Oh, I got one. Um, it's the default question I think we might be asking ourselves every week. Who's playing the Jets? This one is Tennessee, who's available yeah. 80% of leagues. Just play Tennessee. All right. Um, Your Bengals, nope. if they're av- available against Jacksonville. but I don't if, Yeah, if they're available, they should not be, right? Yeah, I don't see that. Actually, right? I mean, it's, let's not act like they were the one of the worst defenses coming into the season. So they certainly are. They're only 2%. Oh. So yeah, yeah, they're yeah they're not rostered hardly at all. So I, I say mean, they should be like because I've seen them play really good defense two weeks in a row. It didn't put fantasy stats up because of the Burrow interceptions against Chicago. Uh, it did put stats up last week against Pittsburgh though. And I guess if you're really desperate, Detroit against the Bears. If the Bears are starting Foles or Dalton or Matt Nagy continues to have Justin Fields be a pocket passer, but I think that's really thin. Gosh, you'd be having to, you'd have to cut a bad defense to play Tennessee. Like, I could get the Bengals because I feel like, okay, they're actually getting pressure on the quarterback. I don't know if I could pick up Tennessee. I, I, if you're truly streaming week to week and you're cutting, I don't know, Dallas or the Giants because you picked them up thinking they were a good play against Atlanta, then I could go after Tennessee. But I have trouble putting that Tennessee defense on any rosters that, um, you know, that I'm only going to carry one defense and I'm going to leave another one out. Uh, hanging to dry so I don't know I just I know that Tennessee D is not good one final one maybe Green Bay against Pittsburgh if you're streaming Big Ben I mean I played the Bengals defense on DFS last week and they were very profitable I don't know what they are in DFS but I know they're lowly rostered in uh, Yahoo so worth a look maybe all right well are we ready to take a look at week four and the games that we have on hand absolutely all right, well, let's do just that, Skeeter. And uh, well, we know which one opens up the week. It's Bengals Jags. Uh, I'm all fired up for that one. But when I look across the board, there's some other games that really stand out to me. Carolina at Dallas. Boy, I didn't think that's one in week three that I'd be saying, boy, here comes a big one. But look, I'm not going to be stupid and say this is an NFC Championship pregame, pre- a pre preview. But these teams are five and one. Currently, the Panthers are are getting five points. It's at Dallas, so. That's an interesting one. What's your take on that game? My initial thoughts is Carolina, but I still might be under underrating Dallas thinking than last year. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, it's a game I'm very intrigued to see because I don't really know what to make of Carolina yet. But Dallas looks like the real deal. Uh, we'll see. How, we'll see what they do against Carolina. Chiefs and Eagles. Chiefs given seven here. That one's interesting. It's at Philadelphia. The home team getting seven. They also got embarrassed on Monday night for the record. Both teams at one and two really need to make something happen here. Yeah, I kind of like Kansas City here. I, I think this might be maybe they got their wake up call and Philly just still looks a little out of sorts right now. Two stud matchups in the NFC West that we're going after. Oh, yeah. Arizona at the Rams. Seattle at the 49ers. This is a division with some serious firepower. 
do either of those games intrigue you more? I feel like the Rams are the team to beat, but the Cardinals have certainly done nothing to make you think that they can't compete with everybody. My initial thought is the Cardinals getting four and a half seems kind of interesting. Like they might, maybe they're down 12 or, you know, down 11 and score late to kind of backdoor cover. But um, I'd like to know what the over under on that game is. I'd probably be inclined on the over. The current line, where are we at? 54 and a half. Oh, I like the over in that one. Okay. Yeah, and I, I certainly think it has every opportunity to get to 30 to 28 or something, which would certainly hit that over. So, um, interesting one there. Another one I'm not so sure I thought was going to be interesting, but here we go. Baltimore at Denver. Is this an AFC championship game preview? No. Probably not, but you've got the Ravens looking pretty good. I don't know, good at finding a way to win, except for in week one. Maybe still, you know, and maybe they go out and get Marlon Mack and they do become a better team. The Broncos are 3-0. and What's your take here? The Broncos getting, no, I'm sorry, giving one and a half. I'll be interested to see what that Denver defense does against the rushing attack Lamar Jackson. And then uh, this one feels like it could be lower scoring. I don't know if I have a true opinion on this game. I, I mean, I suppose I'll take the better team, the Ra- or I think it's the better team, the Ravens, but I wouldn't be shocked if Buffalo, or if I beat Buffalo, if Denver goes and wins this game. But, yeah, I don't have a true opinion on that one. A pair of night games, the primetime games. I mean, we know the Thursday Niners big time. Joey Burrow coming back home. But we already talked about that one. Let's talk about the other two primetime games. Monday night, we're going to leave the last, the, the best one for last, or at least the best storyline for last. Monday night, Raiders at Chargers. I mean, pseudo first place on the line if the Broncos don't take care of business on Sunday. What do you think of this one? Chargers giving four, but the Raiders undefeated. I would say the Raiders are the points. I think the Chargers win, but do the Chargers blow anybody out? Like It feels like they just play a bunch of one-possession games, and so far they just happen to have won a couple of them. Like, I mean, they lost to Dallas, but they were close against the football team, and then they hung on against the Chiefs. Like, I take the Raiders are the points because I just wouldn't force too many just because the Chargers don't, don't really win by a ton usually. And that leaves us with the big one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to the New England Patriots. I don't even know if I'm asking you about the game. The Patriots are getting seven at home. The Bucs coming off the loss are going to be very upset. Tom Brady and Belichick are both pretty good coming off of a loss. They're both coming off of a loss this week. Belichick's probably not as good since Brady left. What do you take here? I take Tampa Bay, and I think they might route New England. Um I just don't see New England be able to score enough points to keep up with Tampa. And Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, prime time with with the legend coming back home. Like this is a tough spot, I think, for New England. And I, you know, New England wants to run the ball. That's really hard to do against Tampa. I think it's a bad matchup for the Patriots. I like Tampa Bay just in, on initial thought quite a bit. Does it become a home game for Tampa Bay by halftime? It might. I mean, it really might. Like my brother, who's a New England, who's long, long time New England ticket holder, uh, said he was more of a fan of Brady than he was the organization. He's, you know, hey, it is what it is. But I think he's not not even close to being alone in that. No. And um, a little preview for the next segment. uh, We're coming back to this game. 
oh, we are. Well, I can't wait to get back to that game. And uh, I think it's just about time for that that segment, Skeeter, unless there's anything else that you've got. The only other thing I would have is it feels like the Titans, uh, that's still not enough. They're, they're not, you know, they're not giving enough points against the Jets. Fair enough. Eight Fair enough. Well, I guess it's time to talk about Thrive Fantasy, Skeeter. I've uh, I've been playing it for quite some time. Really been playing much more golf than I have been football. But I've been playing football recently. And if you're not aware, you go here with Insider Football. We've been paired with Thrive for the season. And Thrive Fantasy again this week has a fifty thousand guaranteed contest for Week Four. It's twenty dollars to enter. First place is a ten thousand dollar payout. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research. You focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. They're giving you a 100% instant deposit bonus match up to $100 plus free entry into Sunday's 50K contest when you sign up with the promo code FANTISTICS. Skeeter, I dig this. One thing I like about Thrive, and, and we've talked about it both on the SiriusXM broadcast and, and on the podcast as well, is this doesn't take the place of other DFS games. You're not really using a salary cap. You're just picking 10 sides. But the beauty is, like the promo read says, you don't have to know about some of those guys we just talked about, the wide receiver four for the Broncos, because they're not going to be involved in this. This is this is the big-name player, so you don't have to be uh, you don't have to be a full-time fantasy analyst to 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. To thrive on these contests. Oh. So you mean I'm not having to I worry about I'm not having to worry about Deontay Spencer at all? You mean, is that what you're saying when you're talking about third-string Denver wide receivers? Potentially, if you get into a single-game contest, there could be one there. I haven't looked which, at that one yet. Which, by the uh, way, take advantage of their free rolls that they have each week, or at least uh, so far with Jacksonville and the Chargers, since they're the official, I think, fantasy partner of those two teams. Like, there's free rolls on there, and I mean, I've won fourteen dollars in two weeks. I've won ten bucks uh, week two and then four bucks last week on those free rolls. Like, hey, it's free money. I like free money. Take advantage of those. Absolutely. So, Skeeter, we end the podcast every week. Dan and I will pick three props, and then we will find out who won. I honestly, Dan writes them down, so I don't know who won last week between Dan and I. We'll we'll do the math on that one come with a week five pod, podcast when Dan returns. And then we'll also make the ice pick. So for those of yep. you who haven't tried Thrive, I, I, I really think you should give it a look. And basically the ice pick in case of uh, emergency, if one of your players doesn't go, then the prop is nullified. And the next prop you have, and you'll make two in case of emergency picks, they'll cover your your thing. So if you picked an over on a guy's yardage and he ended up being out and you don't have time to get back to your computer and fix it, it's okay. That prop just gets pushed to the side and whatever your 11th pick of your props will we'll fill into your lineup. So, I, I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's a lot less hassle than other contests. I love that feature. I, I Totally. I, I wish the DFS sites would have done this, but good, good on Thrive for doing it because – I mean, now granted, I had Delvin Cook as one of my picks last week, so I used the emergency one. I don't think the emergency one worked out well for me, but that's all right. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, Skeeter, Dan and I will take turns. I forget how he determines who goes first, but you're filling in. I'm not going to steal your thunder, at least not with my first pick. So I'm going to start with you, Skeeter. I want you to make your first pick, and we'll. Uh, I will jot these down. I will make sure they get tracked for the uh, end-of-the-year celebration. Thomas Brady over 25 and a half points. Like, do we really – Tampa doesn't like to run the ball to begin with. New England's not bad against the run. 
Brady is licking his chops in this game, especially the Gronk. Yeah, probably look like he's going to be able to play. Over 25 and a half in his return to New England. Brady loves to make statements. I, th you know, and I think Bruce Arians will make sure that they he allows Thomas to make a statement here. 25 and a half is not enough. Give me the over at 100 points. Okay, and now I cannot take that one, but if I were to choose the under, it's still available. So just in case I pick a okay. side of a prop you like or, or don't like and you like the other side, you can still take it. You just can't take one I took. Okay, um, I'm going to go after a few points here, Skeeter. We okay. talked about Denver. We talked about the decimation of their receiving crew. You're going to give me 115 mm. points. And for, for, for those who are not familiar, each prop has 200 points assigned to it. If the prop doesn't fall directly in the middle of where whoever puts it together thinks it should be, you don't necessarily split over and under at 100 points even. So I'm getting over 115 points, over 68.5 total receiving yards for Cortland Sutton. I think Baltimore's going to put points on the board. We talked about how their receiving core or their their uh, their pass defense is not as good without Marcus Peters in that in that defensive secondary after he tore his ACL uh, the same day that Dobbins did. Give me Cortland Sutton, 68 and a half total yards. Denver's going to have to put up some yardage to keep up with Baltimore. Of course, I would have thought that last week in Detroit, too, so we'll see. But I'll take the over on that one, uh, 68 and a half total yards for Sutton. I don't mind that one. Um, my second pick, I can't believe I'm getting over points on this one at over 105 points. Cooper Cup, over seven and a half total receptions. His reception total the first three games this year, seven against the Bears, nine against the Colts, nine at Tampa Bay. He's going to be in a shootout against Arizona, and you're saying you're giving me plus points over seven and a half receptions? This feels very generous by Thrive at, plus, at you know, what, 105 points. Give me Cooper Cup. I think he goes over this quite easily. Cup going over. All right, I got to jot these down, so I'm going to stick with that. All right, Skeeter, I don't want to do this because I love you, but your Bears yeah. don't love me. No. Allen Robinson, 62.5 total receiving yards. Now, here's the good thing. If I'm wrong, it's going to help my season-long prop bet for his <laughs> right. whatever 1,200 yards that I went over. Yep. Um, but I'm going to go under. I'm getting 110 points. Yeah. I don't necessarily like taking a risk on the, the steeper side with two of my three picks. But they better figure out a whole lot with Fields. By the way, Mooney still has a place in that offense, and Mooney was a target for Fields against the Bengals. So it's not like Robinson's the only guy he's going to look at. I think it makes sense to run the football if possible on Detroit, which worked out very good for Aaron Jones, by the way, on Monday night uh, a week and a half ago. So give me Allen Robinson. I'm going to go under 110 or I'm sorry, under 62 and a half total receiving yards for 110 points. I, I like that one, too. I Yeah. So the Bears figure out what they're doing if, they, if that even happens. I, I, I was looking at that one, too. Um, all right, my third one, 110 points. We've talked about Tennessee's wide receiver injuries. Well, they got a pretty good running back, Derrick Henry, and, oh, he's facing the Jets. When's the last time the Jets were good against the run? I don't know. Over 110.5 total rushing yards. I get that's a lot of yards, but they might lean on Henry in this game. Give me the over 110 points. I you know I don't know what number they could have posted where I wouldn't have taken the over, but 110 and a half. It's a big number, but I still I still like Derrick Henry in this spot. 
So that absolutely would have been my next one. Oh, um, I thought maybe you'd have your like uh, your your hatred for uh, for not hatred, but self-loathing for the Bears after a bad one. I was trying to steal that one from you. But I'll tell you this. We get to set 10 when we set our lineups. That'll be one of the 10 I set. Yes. I assure you. Yes. Um, I think I'm going to go to C.D. Lamb. It only takes one play. Give me 75.5 total receiving yards. The Carolina defense has looked pretty good. But you know what? They gave up a ton, and maybe it was garbage points, and maybe it's not going to be the same. But they gave up a ton of receiving yards to Brandon Cooks at the end of the game Thursday night. In week one, Mm -hmm. hell, that's the only time Corey Davis has looked good when he put up the big points. So Carolina, if you're going to beat them, you'll do it by the pass. I think Dallas is going to be ahead in that game. But I don't know if they're going to be able to pound the ball with Zeke like they did come Monday night. So give me CeeDee Lamb. I'm going to go over 75.5 total receiving yards. I don't mind that one at all. Uh, my emergency one is Daniel Jones under 281 and a half total pass and rushing yards. This feels like an absolute tough spot for the Giants. Going on the road to New Orleans, this is the first game the Saints will play in the Dome since they, since the uh, hurricane went through there. This just, you know, again, the Giants receiving, receivers battling some injuries. Under under 281 total passing and rushing yards, I this feels just you know Saints defense not bad. It feels like this is just going to be a bad spot for Dan for Danny Dimes. So give me the under at 105 points. All right, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with that game. I may as well. We run out of a few props, and I don't like going over those touchdown things here in this one. Yeah. I may end up turning to the over a half a rushing touchdown for Nick Chubb in my lineup, but for my ice pick here of four. I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. I'm going to go over 95.5 total yards. That's rushing and receiving. Give me both, and I like the over 100. The Giants aren't very good. My one problem here is what if they don't need Alvin Kamara too much? I think they will, though. I'm, 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 I'm going to use that as my fourth and final pick, my ice pick, Alvin Kamara. 95.5 total rush and receive yards over 100. I mean, that's always fair, especially, you know, you think if the Saints are going to be motivated at home, Kamara's going to be a big part of that offense. All right, so those of you that have not quite picked it up yet, it's Thrive Fantasy. They got a 50000 guaranteed contest for week four. It's what we were just looking at. It's $20 to enter. Come and play with me and Skeeter. You come in first, you get 10000 With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game, like all those names we just mentioned are the biggest stars in the game. They're giving you a 100% instant deposit bonus match up to $100 plus free entry into Sunday's 50K contest when you sign up with the promo code FANTISTICS. Skeeter, I'm in there. You're in there. Everyone else should be in there too. Absolutely. I, I love the game three part about what they weighted points. I think that's a really cool touch. But I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I love the concept of it. I've, I've been playing it in golf and absolutely loving it. I mean, I'm not lying to you folks when I say I put in $20. It was before we were partnered with them. They matched my $20 deposit. I have $350 on my account. I've not made another deposit. Nice. I've just been playing. You know, when I'm not sure I like something, I'll take the under or whatever and the 85 points. I'll take the easy side of it. I'm willing to kind of play it like a pseudo cash game philosophy there. Take the easy points. I don't have to come in first. It's still cash, and I'm okay with that. I'm, you know what? I might have to I might have to take your advice on that one because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just too alert by the the high points about a side. So I need to, you know, maybe I'm a little too risky so far on that. Well, just keep playing, and we'll, uh, we'll keep figuring it out. Skeeter? 
I really appreciate you joining me for a second night in a row. We did some golf last night. I'm certainly looking forward to the Sanderson Farms. I appreciate you filling in for Dan this week, and I am certainly looking forward to week four in the NFL. Both fantasy and reality is, I don't know, this has been a really fun season. Maybe it's because the Bengals are 2-1. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, my Bears are just kind of trotting along, not sure what they're doing. But, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I'll, I'll, I think I should get to talk to you on Saturdays. I think I'm coming on to talk some DF, Week 4 DFS on Saturday morning with you and Dan. So You can find the podcast everywhere, and, of course, you can find the Insider Football Show, Sirius Channel 87. They merged the channels. I was afraid I was going to mess it up there. You can catch us there on Saturday. You can always find us at Insider Football. You can catch Skeeter, myself, on Twitter. I'm James Adams, at James Adams 94 Skeeter, what's your Twitter handle? I know I know it, but I don't know it. At if Skeeter you Robinson. Okay. I knew it was simple, but I didn't want to butcher you, buddy. That's all right. Well, everybody, we appreciate you listening. First, Skeeter Robinson. I'm James Adams. This has been the Insider Football Fantastics NFL Week 4 podcast. <laughs>